Want the latest Sport Calgary updates in one place? Sign up for Sport Calgary's newsletter for the latest monthly updates sent straight to your inbox. Sign up at sportcalgary.ca. Welcome back. It is the original Six Feet Conversation podcast. I would be your host, Rob Kerr. You know, of course, who you are, so we don't need to introduce you. Uh, But thanks for joining us. Uh, This is our little uh, project here at Sport Calgary. Uh, We've been doing it during the pandemic, uh, during the pause, during the, uh, well, prior to the return to normal, whatever the terminology you want to use. Um, this is our intent to, to provide some sports stories about sport people in, in a sports city like Calgary. And so far, I think we're achieving it. And uh, another one today, and this one is a lot of fun. This one, I, I really enjoyed this conversation a lot. Um, full disclosure, did not know our guest prior to this conversation. And that makes it for, uh, it makes it exciting for me because uh, not only do I feel like we got to know him, but uh, I have no problem telling you. He feels like, he feels like a friend to me. And I think he's going to feel that way to you. Um, so let's get right into it, shall we? Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Play City. Prior to that, he was the CEI, CEO uh, of JOI or Joy Media. I, I apologize. I should have asked. I did not. Uh, but Hafiz Mita was kind enough to spend some time with us. And, and you know what? Hafiz is a huge sports guy. Like, it, you know, the first part of this conversation yeah, we get into technology because I, I tell you, I'm interested in, in how you build an app. How do you create an app? How do you go there? But, um, boy, we got into some fun places, and um, it's not what you think. Like, it really is something that will touch all of us, does touch all of us, this conversation. Hafiz was just incredible. So uh, looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. Uh, before we do that, though, in light of COVID-19, Sport Calgary has compiled together a directory of webinars and digital events to help you stay connected in the Calgary sport community. Learn more at sportcalgary.ca. Let's uh, let's dabble in the uh, digital world shall we in the in the app world in the in the you know the internet the the but it's sport it's still sport at its core it's sport really excited to spend some time with the founder and ceo of play city hafiz mita the most pressing question is how are you holding up how are you dealing with all of this you know what? I'm actually doing okay. Um, I've come to terms that it's okay to not be okay certain days. So I'm not pushing myself to the max like I used to before. And a lot of my days before were running around having meetings and coffees and all kinds of chats at different facilities. But the reality is everyone's closed or temporarily laid off. So I'm doing what I can from the comfort of my home and finding value in the terms and you know in, in the community that we've built. So I'm, I'm actually doing okay. There is, I think, I might be wrong about this, a little bit of a misnomer that you guys in the tech sector would be easily able to adapt to this, that working from a home, working remotely, all of these things would come naturally to you. Do you find it that way? I I wouldn't say naturally, but you know what? I haven't worked in an office in like five years. So I do work out of home a lot. I work at coffee shops a lot. I like to be just remote with my my laptop. So I definitely am a lot more well-versed. Than say my my mother for example that had to move from her office home right. to create a home office and get through the, all the uh, the adjustments that way so definitely so is there okay that's interesting is there a difference between working from a home and working remotely uh I guess that depends right like if you if you don't need three screens and you can be in a you can be in a coffee shop with your headphones in and get some work done yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's, it all depends on what you're doing. It depends on what I'm doing as well, too. If I need to be super focused, I almost need that white noise in the background. So I will work in a coffee shop to get things done. But wow. if I'm creating a presentation that just needs like, you know, a lot more creativity and stuff like that, then I'm maybe sitting by myself in, in, in solitude. So I guess it all depends on the situation. So you just answered one of the age old questions that old guys like me have who go into a <laughs> Starbucks and go, what are all these people doing here? Why are they here? Right. And, and, yeah. and you're that guy. You need to you need that environment. I need that environment. I, I, I like the ebbs and flows of people coming in and out. You know, uh, I think coffee shops as well, too, as like whether you're a freelancer or a sole proprietor or an entrepreneur, there's so many random connections that happen in coffee shops from people walking in and out. And if you go to the same one over and over again, you build community in that space as well, too. So you're starting to meet the owners. They're connecting you with other people that they've met. Um, I've met a lot of people actually at Philosophy or Analog on 17th because of the owners actually knowing what I do and then saying, hey, you should actually meet that guy. And I was like, oh, okay, perfect. The next thing you know, we're doing a project together or some kind of you know random connection happens. So it's pretty cool. You're, so that, 
because I was just kind of being tongue in cheek, but you're serious. There is advantage to this. Huge. Oh yeah. Wow. Now, now is it is it stratified? Are you in a coffee shop that is, um, that is kind of visited by people of like mind, or is it just completely random that it could be anybody that might show up? It sometimes depends, right? Like, I, I think before quarantine, I was getting into the routine of getting to analog every single day at 6.30 or 7 a.m. And at that moment and at that that morning, you'd see the same five or six people. They're all journaling. They're reading. They're most likely entrepreneurs or trying to kind of be their best selves. So at that point, we called it the breakfast club. And there was just like five of us that would sit there and chat. And it was like one guy was a graphic designer. One was a graffiti artist. Another guy was a social conference mastery coach. He had myself. Another guy was a doctor. And we literally just like swapped books and chatted. And, and you know, so you definitely build community wherever you are based on like-minded, I guess, values. Right. And I wouldn't say right. like-minded businesses per se, but people that are trying to better themselves. Interesting, too, because now you're debunking yet another old guy myth that yeah. in this era of tech, in this era of social media, that the human interaction, that the, the, the actual legitimate necessary socialization skills are being lost you're giving me a perfect good example of actually no, they're alive and well. Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. Like I'm definitely a tech guy, but I'm on the fence. Like I'm 36, so I was, you know, I've been I've been around when there wasn't the internet, and we used to call our friends on the phone or show up on our bike to like your neighbor's house and see if your buddy can play. And I also love like Netflix. You know what I mean? So yeah. But definitely, I I see the value of social connection every single day. I think that's something that we can't deny. But technology is also has its value, but it can't be all, all encompassing or consuming. Define tech guy. You know what? People ask me all the time, um, <laughs> and I'm not a tech guy in that sense. So I've never coded a day in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I happen to be a founder of a company that's based on technology, yep. but I don't know how to code. Um, I just had an idea. But a tech guy, I think, is someone who's open to. I don't know, different technologies that are out there. Like we're using Skype right now, right? I use Google Hangouts for some calls. I'm using Zoom on other calls. You yep. know, all my all my technology that's my businesses run on is based on software. So I think being comfortable in technology makes you a tech guy unless you're the tech guy. And then now you're doing like IT and, you know, you can figure out, you know, issues on, on, the, on the web and on your browser and stuff like that. I'm not that guy at all. So through this quarantine, how, how many different video conferencing software formats have you used how many platforms have you used because i'm up to eight yeah you know what? that's actually a good question so i've used snapchat video i've used whatsapp video facetime zoom google hangouts skype right now so that's seven have you used teams uh, ms teams i have used teams okay so, so yeah it's eight eight it's it's i think i think it's eight yeah it's insane isn't it that that is nuts. I didn't even think about that. Eight platforms. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, tell me the advantage of tech thinking, because I think there is conventional thinking. I think there's business thinking. We'll get into sports thinking in a second. But tell me about the advantages of tech thinking. You know what? I, th- I think tech thinking. If I'm if I'm hearing you correct in the, in the question, like I, I think of tech thinking as like the iterative approach to life's issues or life's problems or whatever it is. Right. Like. When you're, when you're building in anything in tech, you're really creating a hypothesis of how something should work, and you're building small experiments to see if you can debunk that or see what kind of data you can get to, to validate whatever you're thinking. So, for example, um, I think that it's going to be, yeah, I think that an, an, uh, an accountability partner through FaceTime would make me work out more. Okay, so what do I need to get to that point? I need to use FaceTime. I need a person to meet with. And I need that face-to-face interaction and then maybe do a survey at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. So we can, we can use tech to, I guess, further our goals as humans, but just kind of streamlining or optimizing like that entire experience. What, what are the pratfalls of tech thinking? What are, the, what are the areas that you can get into trouble using tech thinking? Uh, well, I don't even know if tech thinking is a thing. I've never heard that before. before this. Well, but, no, but I mean, to me, I look at, at your industry and, and I look at guys that come up with ideas, right? You're not limited by the conventions of traditional, you know, business acumen. Like so, you just, you have to find solutions. But, you know, for those positives, are there any areas that, that get, you know, people in the tech industry into trouble sometimes? 
I think so. Uh, and more so for, for startup entrepreneurs, right? Like if you, if you look at the lean startup and going back to what I was mentioning earlier with the iterative approach, yeah. there's the opposite approach to that. It's just like sitting in a silo and building something for like a year because you're in your own head thinking this is going to be it and then taking it to market and then everyone thinking, well, that was, that was great, but you know, I don't need these eight features. I just need this one thing that you did. So we can definitely get into our own heads versus getting out to the masses or the people that are actually using your product to get yeah. that that feedback early. Yeah. Um, so I would say a lot of people do get into that rut of thinking too much and not just experimenting and getting something that's good enough out to the public to say, you know, what do you think and getting feedback. So, so are you, are, are not maybe not you, but have you seen examples in your industry of, of people who are overprotective of an idea? You mentioned feedback, oh, yeah. right? Like, it's my baby. Like, you, you right. don't know. Like, it seems to me that that, you know, it's like every other business, you know, overprotecting yeah. an idea, right? Yeah, that happens a lot um, for a lot of people. I, like, I I remember when I first, I've been, in, I've been an entrepreneur now for 15 years. Um, and my first business was uh, a, a marketing agency that turned into a software agency with one product. But <laughs> all the pitch competitions that I would go to, People would always ask, like, are you not worried about getting your idea to the public or what if someone steals it? And I just tell them, like, you know how hard it is for me that's engrossed in my business to get it out to market? If you think you're just going to take someone's idea and then run with it, good luck, right? If you can do that, I'll come work with you Uh, because it is is difficult. I think people are just passionate about certain things. And I don't know. And even some advisors would not even sign an NDA. Because they're like, if you can't share your product idea with me, like, I don't even want to work with you. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah. you have to be open to sharing and getting that feedback and just know that it's super, super hard to, to execute. How hard is it to jump a curb in your industry? How hard is it to, to come up with the next big idea or be ahead of, of what, where we're at? Like, I mean, technology just blows my mind how quickly it moves, right? Yeah. You know what? Sometimes it's it's kind of a loaded question almost, right? Because I think that there's opportunities everywhere, but I always feel that people are searching so hard for the next best thing that they almost miss the opportunity right in front of them. Mm. Like you look at, um, cause it's almost like everything's been done. Everything's been done. So unless you're like Tesla or, or Google or some of these big names that have micro, like your massive innovative teams, if you're just someone, I would look at the opportunity as something that you on a daily basis find a problem with and find a solution to that. Because I think too many people are thinking outside the box and don't are, are not um, experts in their own field. So for me, for example, like when I started my company, it was literally a solution to a problem that I was having. So it wasn't like, what if this person had that problem or what if this happens? It's like, no, what am I doing right now today that I can actually be my own power user to figure out what I can solve for myself? And then take it to market, because um, like, I think too many people. And that's, this is just me. I'm also a simple guy as well too. I'm, I'm not your typical tech dude that's like engrossed in all of it. I like to put my phone away and play sports. That's that's my shtick. Right. Yeah. 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 So. No. I. I just. I. You know. I. I often wonder because it. It seems like by the time something comes to market, by the time something you know we're using it on this end, you, mm-hmm. you'd have to think that the technology's moved you know, again, incrementally ahead for the next yes. iteration. Right. And absolutely. and that would give me a headache. That would absolutely give me a headache. Yeah. It's tough. It's not one of those things that you can just build it and let people come. Uh, and cause yeah, exactly. If you're not innovating, you're dying. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing that's, it's so easy now to launch an app or launch a new website or the barrier to entry is so low that if you're not innovating, like I'm scared of the competition of, uh, the, the youth, you know, like I did a, I did a capstone project at MRU and some of these students that were coming up with ideas for even my company and what we we're doing, I was like, wow, I would hire like 20 out of the, out of this group of 50. <laughs> and the fact that now they know my company inside and out, and if they wanted to create something, I was like, wow, okay, these guys are really, really smart. And uh, yeah, it is, it is definitely one of those things that you have to be aware of for sure. If you could go back to the beginning of this journey, is there, is there a lesson or is there some piece of advice you'd give yourself? Well, many, many, many lessons. Um, yeah, you know what? Like, maybe focus on one or two sports versus like trying to do all of it. So I don't know if you've ever seen the app or not, but like on, on Play City, you can yeah. choose a, 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 a number of activities, right? So the marketing behind each one is very different from finding a tennis partner to finding like, you know, someone to fill your softball team. 
So maybe focusing, and some advisors told me that as well too in the beginning. I have to admit, you know, it's like the ideas weren't there. I think I would be a, more, a lot more open to other people's ideas. I was a little, I was very hard-headed at what I wanted, my vision, and some of my advisors loved it because they saw tenacity and uh, that that pit bull mentality. But also, I, I probably would have been a lot more open to some of those things. But at the same time, you know what, like you can't realize these things unless you go through it as well too. Like someone can tell you over and over again, but if you don't actually go through it, it's not going to happen. How much are you miss in sports right now? Oh, big time. Yeah. Um, huge. Like I, I live for tennis or hockey, softball, you know, anything, anything to be active that I was playing badminton, you know, three times a week. I was hitting the gym every single day with my trainer five days a week. I'm just missing, I'm missing physical activity and social connection more than anything right now. It's so hard. Like I'm, I'm getting by with home workouts and doing these like competitions with my cousins or WhatsApp groups and whatnot, but it's definitely not the same. Yeah. yeah. So for you, is it just participation or are you a consumer of sport too? Oh no, no I consume as well too. I'm, okay. I'm watching TSN every single day. On like I guess yesterday I was watching uh, Canada Russia from 2015, you know, in the World Championships. Yeah. Uh, I've watched I don't know how many Raptors games um, <laughs> that, that are reruns as well too. To the point that I'm just, yeah, play by play. I, I almost know it all, right? Like, I, I do watch a lot of sports, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I miss going to, like, the games and stuff like that as well, too. Like, you know, the Flames run a pretty awesome run there as well, too. And they were, they were looking pretty good. So, well, yeah, it's tough. So, help me with this, because it's one of the conversations that we've had in this podcast has been, now, all of a sudden, we're filling the void with historical sport. Yeah. There's a lot of people I'm talking to, it doesn't scratch the itch. That no. It doesn't. Okay. Well, you know, because you already know what's going to happen. And so it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's nice to watch and re, you know, I was watching, for example, my, my dad yesterday, and I think we were up 5 nothing in this game, and I already know what happens. And then, yeah. you know, Russia scores, and my dad's like, oh my God, they've scored. I'm like, first of all, it's 5 nothing, and second of all, this is 2015, you already know who wins. So <laughs> <laughs> either you have a terrible memory, or like you're really into this, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's not the same, for sure, you know, but then again, you can watch other things. So, like, I'm, I'm on YouTube watching older um, UFC fights. Like, they've, they've released a lot of free fights uh, sure. from, from a little while ago, and there's a lot of fights that I haven't seen. So, um, it's pretty cool to see that. There's lots of, I guess, content out there that I haven't seen, which is keeping me a little busy, but... Well, you bring me to an interesting place, because I, I it's funny you say that. I don't find watching the what you would call the current stuff to be that entertaining. Like if it's happened in the last five or six years, I did enjoy watching the 89 Stanley cup again, just yeah. because I hadn't seen it in so long. That was kind of cool. And you know, even some of the stuff, the old pro wrestling from when I was a kid, that was kind of cool. And I think yeah. there's a historical thing that's enjoyable, but again, I'm not sure the current stuff quite does it for me. That's so funny. They say wrestling as well too. Like I was a big WWF fan growing up. Okay. Um, and that's so weird that you said that. Maybe that's just the quarantine in us. Like, just we're searching for something, right? I was I, watching. I literally have a buddy from work, and on Saturdays he FaceTimes me, and we <laughs> go on and we watch a pay per view or a Saturday night's main event, and we just giggle like schoolgirls because it, <laughs> it's from you know it's from that formative era, right? That yeah. formative age, and totally. it, and it's a lot of fun to share that, right? Who are you watching? Is like the the Hulk Hogan area. So yeah, we watched uh, we watched a couple of the pay per views from the late '80s, so post post WrestleMania three and around there. And now we're watching the Saturday Night Main events um, that were kind of the lead up to those um, to those events. So a lot of the Hogan stuff, a lot of the Bret Hart British Bulldogs stuff. You know, uh, uh, I guess so. But really, kind of from a Calgary perspective, watching all the old Stampede guys, like the guys that came through the territory, and, and then at that time were really kind of changing the business. I think, not to make myself sound like some sort of pro wrestling intellectual, but that's what we're watching. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, those, those old school matches are so awesome, right? They're, they're hilarious to watch. Yep. But they're, they're, they're really good, though, too. Like, it was wrestling before we had anything else to watch was actually pretty decent. Like, I used to live for Saturdays, so that I could watch WWE. I never watched WCW back then, but it was always, yeah, Bret Hart was like a favorite. Right. I think that uh, his brother actually taught us a gym class, and I have... Uh, oh, Keith. Uh, uh, was it Keith? Yeah, I think so. Keith, yeah. or, or, Keith or Bruce? Bruce. Bruce, yeah, Bruce. yes. Yeah, yeah. So he got us like Bret Hart. I think he gave away someone's... Uh, someone. He gave someone his glasses, and then he signed a, an autograph for us as well, too, for Bret Hart. I still have that somewhere, actually. So it brought back a lot of memories. So I'm watching old school Randy Savage. And yeah. I went down this like, rabbit hole of Ultimate Warrior. And 
was, it was he's awesome. terrible. Like he is really <laughs> terrible. Like when you watch, but in in kind of that, oh now I get it kind of way. Right. Like at the time, yeah. I mean, I was I grew up on Stampede Wrestling. Like that was the oh, thing, okay. and then it transitioned into the that that kind of early modern WWF stuff. Where again, you could see the influence that they had, and uh, we we were uh, we found a, an old Madison Square Garden show that had real early Heart uh, Foundation uh, Bulldogs mm-hmm. match. So they had just moved from Stampede and. And it was just there was nothing else like it on the show, and you take a little pride in that, eh? That's like that's Calgary, totally. like yeah, absolutely right. What's his name? Davy Boy Smith. Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he was he was amazing. Yeah, Calgary was huge for wrestling, massive. Oh, it was, it was, and it had a, a great cultural influence too. So yeah, that's uh, that I enjoy. But watching the Flames play Edmonton this year, I just saw it. It's not quite the same, yeah. right? Have you seen like the simulations that they've had on like NHL 2020 on YouTube? I have, I have. Does it does it do anything for you? I watched a few minutes of it, and you know what? Because the graphics are so good, and you don't know what's going to happen, it's actually not bad. Yeah, and yeah. I think someone actually went on and did a play by play for that as well too. So it's pretty funny to see. Um, but yeah, you know, it's scratching itch for like a few minutes. It was something that I shared with a few buds, but I, I wouldn't go back to watch it. Well, it was pretty funny. What, what was interesting was the beginning of this. I don't know if you remember, and it seems like it's a, a different era, but marble racing. They did that marble racing like the first week. They were they were rolling marbles down a hill, and we were all watching it on Twitter. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen, right? Um, it's it's interesting how we adapt and evolve through something yeah. like this. No, you you raised a really, really good point. I've, I've said that actually a couple times this week. It's this is week six of quarantine. I have a journal that I write in every single day, and today I'm looking at it. It's day thirty nine of of quarantine or uh, isolation, so you say. But how amazing is it? How adaptable we are as as humans, right? This is not so bad. Like it's bad, but it's not that bad. Or maybe it's bad for a lot of people, but it's not that bad for me. Like it's you're, we're getting by, you know. But it's not what pop culture taught us it was going to be. Right. Right. There's not zombies wandering through the neighborhood. It's not dark all the time. Like there was no horror movie based on this particular equation. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's not the walking dead. No. Yeah. This is, this is, this is something that we have to just do and people are getting by and you think about it, like like, the people I'm talking to, maybe I'm surrounding myself with positive people, but they're all just finding ways to get through and uh, more so than ever connecting with more people actually as well too. Like a lot of people are finding, the silver lining to say, wow, there's so many people that I haven't talked to. I've just been busy all the time. Yep. But now I'm actually taking the time to reach out to someone or say, how are you doing? And actually having a full on engaged half an hour conversation through FaceTime, seeing their face versus just a regular phone call. I don't even pick up the phone call anymore. It has to be a FaceTime or like a face to face. Yeah. And I wonder if that's going to be like a regular thing going forward now as well too. Well, and that uh, had a lot of conversations on the podcast about that, that there's no doubt what we're going through is difficult and there's going to be some real strife and struggle with it. But mm. what are the positives at the other side? Are we going to, as you know, families, have we returned to board games? Have we, right. you know, do we care? It, I, I just, I don't know about you, but I find that the conversations I have are more personal than they have been in a long time. Yes, definitely. This has been the great equalizer, right? It's like, it doesn't matter where you live, well, I guess it does to, to an extent, right? And, yeah. But for the, for the most part, if you have your basic necessities covered, you were, we're all in this together on that same kind of level. So the conversations are a lot more vulnerable. It's a lot more dealing with mental health. It's just like sharing resources. I've, I've talked to so many more people that are getting into like mindfulness and meditation um, and actually just using this time to kind of, uh, yeah, I guess like look within and, and, and find purpose. When you take away all the excess that you have, and you realize that time is finite. Like, what do you actually want to be spending your time doing? Uh, should remind everybody, Sport Calgary conducts research into sports issues in our city. Did you know that the gross municipal amateur sport product in Calgary is over $1.2 billion per year? Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more. Hafiz, let's talk a little bit about the app. We've kind of skirted around it, but Play City is is a really cool initiative. So how did you get there? How did we arrive at actually having the app? Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, so in, in, in 2014, I was living in Bangkok, and I had a, a previous company, as I mentioned. And um, after seven years of that company, I realized that I just needed to sell my shares and get out of it and do something else. So I came back to Calgary, and I was living downtown on 13th and 1st beside these amazing uh, tennis courts right in uh, – I can't remember the name now, the, the, the actual courts. 
But what happened was I was just isolated. I was like, kind of like this, but more so I could actually be outside and, and mm-hmm. play. But I was super bored. So I became like super OCD. My condo was like meticulous to the point that I was driving myself insane. And all I wanted to do was play. But I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I knew that whatever I did had to be of something of value to the people at large. It had to be something that I loved, which is like sport and activity. Um, and it had to be something that just made sense. So after talking to a lot of people that were playing, you know, waiting for people at tennis courts or working out at the gym alone, I just had this aha moment one day being like, it's really hard to meet people. I'm, I'm born and raised in a city, and it was hard for me to find someone to play tennis with at 2 o'clock. I couldn't imagine what it was for people that were just new to the city or new to the area. Yep. So there's a lot of great dating apps that were taken off at that point. So really, I just kind of took the same idea and said, why don't we do the same thing, but for make it for physical activity buddies, but make it easy to find someone and remove that barrier. Because at that time, people are so engrossed in their phone, even mm-hmm. like they are today. But it was really hard to start conversations with people that you didn't know, right? So it was about removing barriers and actually making it easy for people to, to find someone to play with within that same skill level. So that's what we did. And then, um, yeah, it took me about six months to kind of come up with the idea and really crystallize it in my mind. Um, and I went to Nepal for for a month and in that, in that time. So I sat on the board of a nonprofit out there. And I realized when I was out there, people were – I couldn't communicate because I didn't know the language. But we were kicking around the soccer ball playing volleyball and it was high fives and it was smiles so like that gave me a bigger um, push for my why and the, the reason is i want to connect people from different backgrounds using play as that medium to to battle ignorance and and racism and ageism and all these things right yep. but yep yeah so that was the idea so that's that's that was impetus in 2016 we launched okay i promise you we will come back to the app in a second but i believe i heard you say you sit on a nonprofit in nepal yeah, so a, a good friend of mine, his name's Nabil. He has a nonprofit called Manavta, and he started that. And man, it's been a while now, but he asked me to sit on his board a few years ago, so I could help him with like crowdsourcing or crowdfunding or mm-hmm. some business development side of things. Um, and when I was on my sabbatical, he said, you know what? Why don't you actually come out to to come out to India and go to go to Nepal and and just see what we do and get your hands dirty. So I went out there and I was like, you know what? I have time. I sold my shares. I had some money. So yeah. let's make it happen. So, uh, yeah, he's doing a lot of good stuff. He's actually teaching people in rural villages um, the value of proper sanitation and what you can do with uh, urine and feces when actually separated in terms of fertilization, things like that. But yep. more so on the education side of washing and clean hygiene. And it's wild when you actually see it down there, like the, the conditions of some of these bathrooms and like a school of 300 kids, one working bathroom. And when I say working bathroom, I mean, a hole in the ground that's not plugged, right? Uh, it was crazy to see, man. So super grateful for that opportunity. So, so, I mean, you already identified the fact you were living in Bangkok. So being in different areas and away from Calgary is not unusual for you. But what did you expect? What was that one month like? It was insane because, like, well, so I started off my travel in India. So I, I went from um, the Taj Mahal all the way to Goa and a bunch of places in between. So I saw different stuff. But when I was living there, I went with my cousin. We were, we were using Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. So for, for 75 bucks in India, you can live in like a pretty nice place, like a mansion here, right? Or like the penthouse here. Wow. And a condo. Yeah. So in my mind first, I was like, well, it's not a lot of money. Like, look how far it's going. But slowly I realized that this is a huge amount of money out here. And you would see people on the streets that were laying um, on, on cardboard boxes. And here you see homeless people and stuff sure. like that. But yeah. have you ever seen a homeless family? That really hits home, right? Like rows and rows and rows of family. Like, you know, father, mother, two kids, baby on cardboard. So immediately I start to feel uh, like a privileged um, yeah, POS. Yeah. And walking around, I was like, this is insane, right? And then we went to Nepal, which is like the third poorest place in the world, I believe. But they're rated almost number one or two, I believe, in happiness, like their happiness score. Um, and I, I, I learned a lot out there as well, too, about what actual real happiness is to folks, right? It's, it's the simple things, man. It's, yeah. it's sharing food. It's community. It's playing. It's laughing. It's music. It's culture. It's all these things that actually make you uh, happy. So when I, when I came back, I, 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 all I did was I took a journal with me uh, and I was just writing down what I wanted to do. And I kept on like just trying to figure out what the next thing was. And I've always been fascinated with happiness. You know, a lot of people strive for a lot of things, but yeah. I've always been like, why, why do you want it? Is, is it for validation? Is it for yourself? Like, what are we actually searching for? You know? So that helped me a lot. That, that, that trip was insane in terms of what I, what I saw. So I, I went from one of the poorest places in the world coming back to 
you know, my, my nice condo and living in downtown. And I was like, there's, there's definitely ways to make it, make an impact for, for everybody. And it doesn't have to, I'm, I'm not going to use money as my motivator. I'm going to use impact and purpose as, as the motivation to whatever we do. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that trip. Well, and I was just going to ask, did that change to you what success means? Absolutely. You know, I, I don't, I don't look at success in terms of monetary gain. Right. I think that money that comes along with the company is to sustain your mission to whatever you're doing. Um, success is in my mind, being able to do what you set out to do, doing a good job and being, being happy about what you're actually doing for the world. And what, what are you doing for other people? You know, how many people can you impact? That, that's success to me. So in, in a way, Play City brings you that, right? You it know, does. The... You know, I'm, I'm very grateful that what I'm doing with my company is very aligned with my values. Like I feel, um, I feel content. And in terms of the way that we're bringing value to the world, right? Even if it's like a small community or a large community, whatever, I'm, I'm very confident that, you know, we're going to be around because our why is so strong. If it, if it was just about money, man, I would have failed a long time ago. Yeah. That would have been over, right? Because it's, that's not, it's, not it's not a company that's going to make, a, you know, a ton of money doing these things, but right. I can make a ton of impact, that's for sure. See, but I go back to those questions I asked you early on about, being a tech guy and tech thinking and things like that, that mm. you're not limited by, I have to have record growth next year. I have to ensure that I continue to drive stock prices and it's not about the wealth component. It's, that's the part mm. that I, I am fascinated by. That's the part that differs you and, and, and the people in your, in your sphere, I think, from mm. traditional businesses. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm not oblivious to the fact that money is a tool to to make the the, the world go round. Like we need it. Oh, for, for sure, sure right? for sure. And uh, I I want to see those numbers go up as well too because I want to hire more people and right. I want to do more marketing and we want to do all these things. But all of our so we have a partnership right now with uh, Mac, right? Like they're yep. a national partner of ours, yep. and they they've they've been incredible because they basically told me as well too the reason why we went with Play City was because of your mission and your values of connecting people bringing awareness to the outdoors and actually increasing participation we're so in line with what we're doing mm-hmm. that here's a grant that we're going to grant you and we're going to give you access to our user base and help you grow versus another brand that's just like well how much money have you made me by advertising that's not the the goal right so when you have that set uh, as like your purpose you're going to attract people and customers and partners that actually align to, to grow together. So now it's, it's, it's coming from a place of abundance versus scarcity. I, I love this part of the conversation. I, I love the altruism of it, and I will, and I promise you I'm going to come back to that too. But I did mention sure. I'd come back to the app. I want to yeah. get a little bit in the weeds because I am fascinated right. by the process. From idea to launch, right. walk me through that. How does that work for an idea like Play City? Cool. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, first thing I did was I sat at the courts and I looked around and I kind of had my moment and I was like, wow, this sucks waiting around for, for people. And I don't know that person and they don't know me. So how do we do this? So I took out a notebook and I started thinking, what's the problem that I'm trying to solve? So you have to have a strong problem that you're trying to solve. So as soon as I had the problem and my problem was barriers to meeting people to be active in the same skill level. So what's the solution look like? And I started kind of drawing things out, you know, like would it be, uh, a profile page? Would it be um, a skill that I'm putting on there? Like, what does that look like? And I started to, and then what you have to do with that is like, you have to ask people. It, it can be a, a really shitty drawing. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. It's like, hey, Rob, this is what I've come up with. What do you think? Right. And I, so I did that a lot. I probably asked about 150 people, whether I was in coffee shops or gyms or tennis courts, whatever. I had no shame to walk up to someone and say, hey, I know you're waiting for someone to play with. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions about what you're doing and how I can help because I'm trying to work on a product? And the people that actually, give you the time, feel invested because like mm-hmm. I said, thank you for that opportunity. I'm actually going to put that into this product or my, my next idea. So they're like, oh, let me know how that goes and if I can help anymore. So you build your early champions in that point as well too. So we're, we're getting now validation and feedback. And then what I did was there's, there's free tools out there like mockups as a tool or Envision. And you can drag and drop your, uh, you know, if you're not design heavy, you can take whatever boxes and drag and drop and see what this looks like to create a flow. And then what I did with that was like, so now I had a, it's called a wireframe. And I took this wireframe to um, one of my old mentors that was like a customer or a partner. And he said, you got to meet this guy named James Siegel. 
who was my first uh, advisor. So I met him at a coffee shop and said, look, this is my mission. This is what, I, what I've come up with. Um, do you know anyone that can help me build? Because I'm not a coder, right? So I took that to him and he said, look, I want to be an advisor. I, I love what you're doing. Here's someone that you should meet. So through, again, networking and meeting, I met someone that actually had six months of uh, free time to, uh, to build my MVP, which stands for Minimum Viable Product, which just means it's just enough that will do the basic thing that I can take it out to sh- shop it around. Mm-hmm. So I went through that process and I had the first iteration. Um, and then I started just asking people. And, and then it's like, you want users and you want some media coverage. So we were really lucky that we got onto CBC really early. You know, we did a couple of radio shows with them and Global picked us up and we had a big spread in the Herald uh, of connecting people through Play. So then people started downloading the app. But by that time, we had a website created, just one page website, download from here. It was only available for iOS. Um, and then we were just constantly getting feedback, right? You're doing surveys, you're asking people, and then you come back to it and say, look, this is the first crappy iteration that does whatever it's supposed to do, but how do we make it better now? People obviously like it. They've said they want it. This is what they want to see. What does the next stage look like? And you just do it again. And you kind of just, yeah, then, then you're in a cycle. What's the most important thing in an app? What, what is the most important thing that you have to have to be mm-hmm. successful? Uh, I think it comes down to user experience. Okay. So uh, I think today people are pretty, I'd say they're pretty savvy, but we're also pretty lazy online as well too. So if something is creating friction, like if I get, if you get on something and you think you're going to get something, but you get something else and you have to, like have you ever gone on an app and you've gone through five steps and you're like, okay, I've done this, 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 and you think it's free. And then they're like, you can't go ahead unless you do that Yeah. or share with 10 people. Then you're like, ah, screw this. I'm deleting. Right. Yep. So that, that first experience is massive. Uh, the user experience to actually get to a critical action, I'd say, is pretty key. So for us, it was like we want someone to swipe and find someone to match with. So we want to get them into the app as fast as possible to do that one core action. And then they've been onboarded. So if you can get that quickly, that, I'd say that's pretty key. And then after that, it comes down to engagement. So I'm going to ask you probably one of the dumbest questions that you've been asked, but because you're not selling a product because it's connecting people at mm. the beginning, do you go out and get your buddies to jump on there so that there's people on there to connect with or how does that happen? Oh yeah. Yeah. You have to use your network. For sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Ab- ab- absolutely. So for us, it was because there was, there's no utility if there isn't people to match with. Right. So I was asking everyone. So I've been lucky to play sports my entire life. Yep. So I asked everyone on my hockey team, my softball team, you know, whatever teams like, Hey, I built something. I need you to get on this. It's free. Just get on. Help me out. Give me some feedback. Uh, and then the, it's, it's funny because at one point I knew every single person on the app. There's like you know 500 people or something like that. I'm like, oh, another person. I don't, I don't know how they got it. And then what was really cool was to actually see this influx of new people that I never knew who they were. And now there was just like kind of growing on its own. Gotcha. And I was, that that was that was a nice feeling. But you have to. I don't want to use the word Tinder because it's the. <laughs> You know, but you have to per- seed it a bit, right? Like you have to have, exactly. there has to be people there. You have to seed it, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how does it grow? So it, it's up, it's running. Now what yep. happens? How does it grow? Uh, it grows through partnerships. So my strategy has always been to create win-win-win scenarios. So I want to make it so that people that are looking for people can find others easily. I want to make it so that facilities and organizations that have uh, underutilized space or underutilized programming have a qualified audience to talk to. And I want to utilize the existing community that that organization or community or, or that company that I work with will help me push because we're aligned in our vision and mission so mm-hmm. that their users become our users. So it's it's really being crystal clear on the types of customers and people that we want and then targeting them to say, hey, Mech, you guys have 5 million users um, how would how awesome would it be if they all connected even more, or if they met new people, or if they brought their friends out, and our people saw your guys' free events, and you had a you know a, a tool that could easily communicate with a qualified audience uh, to bring about these this the same mission. So that's about finding the right partnerships. It's about um, keeping consistent with our story. Uh, it's about leading with um, yeah leading with intent. Were there unintended consequences or there were byproducts that, that you didn't consider that came out of the launch or post-launch? Yes. <laughs> um, so with any app, you're going you're gonna to learn a lot, right? Uh, and we mentioned at the beginning of the show as well, too, we're using eight different platforms to have yeah. different conversations. Yeah. Right. You know, Play City could be a ninth. <laughs> you know, so I, I quickly realized that I'm not going to be able to 
shift people's um, behaviors from using like a WhatsApp or Facebook groups or whatever, mm-hmm. because we don't have the best messaging platform. It's very rudimentary. So a, a lot of people were matching on the app and then they would go create a WhatsApp group or a Facebook group. So I was losing them to something else. I was doing a good job matching them, but then they were leaving. So I was, I was really annoyed by that. Cause I'm like, man, we've done all this work and we brought you together and you know, where's the loyalty, you know, like yeah. I've done this for you, like stay here. But yeah. I, I knew that even my own best friends or people that I'm really close with were messaging me on Instagram saying, Hey, do you want to go play tennis today? And I was like, yeah, one condition. If you message me on play city <laughs> and they're like, ah, fine. Okay. I'll get in there and do it. But, uh, so I, I learned really quickly that you can't change people's behaviors, but you, if you can incentivize them to use your platform for certain things, like, you know, like create a leaderboard or some kind of incentive. So we have a perks program, uh, all of our partners, put perks on the app. So that's one sticky reason to keep the app on your phone. Um, so you can go to Repsol, for example, for two for one Fridays mm-hmm. or Genesis center for two for one Tuesdays, or you can find all the free Mac events or whatnot. So it's, it's, a, it's one big puzzle that we're still trying to figure out. I still haven't tried, I still haven't fully figured it out. Um, but it's definitely one of those learnings that, uh, I wish I knew earlier. What'd you learn about the sports? What did I learn about the sports? Yeah. Like, is there, is there a community and, you know, are tennis people more apt to use it than than yeah. some the other groups are hot. What did you learn about the different sports? Uh, that's a good question. I, I definitely learned that people that um, are looking for a partner are more likely to use Play City than like a group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever tried to put together like a ten person sport game, like you know hockey or tennis or whatever. Sorry, hockey or soccer. Yeah, uh, or softball, but it's it's a pain in the ass, right? It's, yep, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, and you can't do it with one-on-one messaging. You need that group function. So, you know, our, our biggest community or our, I guess our top three sports or activities would be working out. So people are looking for accountability partners that are in the same skill level. Mm-hmm. Uh, tennis was number two. Hiking was three. Uh, I think running was four. So, and then badminton and some of the other sports are yeah, kind yeah. of one yeah. come up, but yeah, we learned a lot. A lot, a lot of people use it for that one person that they want to, play with today and then maybe they'll use it for someone else tomorrow for somebody else it's nice to switch it up and play different people it, it does up your game when you when you play different individuals but you have to be in that same skill level which is super important i've heard you talk before and, and you mentioned a couple of times in this conversation skill level that that, that yeah. was that's really kind of one of the I, I think the neat pieces but the the important parts of this is to be able to match that right totally well if you ever like even for myself, like I'm, I'm a pretty extroverted person. I'm, I'm very confident that I'll play something. But as soon as someone says, "Hey, do you want to play ice hockey?" First thing I ask them is like, "What's the skill level?" Because I'm not a great skater. Yeah. Like I can, I can hang, but I'm not amazing. And nobody wants to be that person that's left out or holding everybody back. Exactly. Like people play golf, and you're the fourth in a in a threesome. The anxiety level is huge, right? Because like, what if these guys are pros and I'm shooting like a hundred? I'm gonna hold these guys back and screw up my game, and you're just getting to your head. So. We had a lot of people that would meet for tennis and then message to say, like, this person says they're good, but like I crushed them. And that's not that's not fun for them or me. Right. So skill level was really, really important just to make sure that anyone that's taken the time out of their busy day to play for an hour and a half is actually enjoying themselves. And actually, you know, you can create a good relationship with someone when you're evenly matched versus just crushing someone. If you're a coach and you want to coach somebody and you know that up front, fine. Awesome. But it's just about giving people what they are expecting. How does how, how has it spread? How has it moved? Yeah, it's, we, we've been really fortunate to be, um, you know, in partnership with Repsol for the last three years. You know, the city of Calgary has been a great partner. Mm-hmm. So all of our partners, because they have the same mission, like even Sport Calgary has been amazing as well, too. They've given us countless opportunities, uh, you know, to meet individuals like Katrina, but also just be at some of the celebration of sport events or doing like the pitch at Active City and stuff like that. Yep. Um because we have this mission, our, our partners give us the platform to, to push because it is such a win-win. So having uh, been a part of the RBC Social Enterprise Accelerator a couple of years ago and then moving on to the Radius Accelerator in Vancouver, which was sponsored by the Public Health Agency of Canada, we have been given the exposure that we need to, to slowly grow um, and actually get the word out there as well, too. So we, I'm, I'm really lucky that we haven't spent a lot of money on marketing. There's been a lot of money spent on the product and giving good experiences, but the marketing and the, and even situations like this, we're really grateful for the opportunity just to, to get, get some, yeah, the word out. So in your niche, in your marketplace, how crowded is it? How many, how much competition do you have for what you do? 
Well, there there is like Meetup, right? Meetup is a is a huge platform. That's kind of like the everything for everything. Yeah. yeah. We're very niche in terms of physical activity and uh, and based on skill and hyper local. Um, so there's 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 a few, right? There's a couple companies, one in Vancouver, uh, that's more event focused. They're doing a good job as well too. But they're they're just it all depends on your messaging. That's what I realized. You know, there's a there's one that's in the states called Buddy, and it's just like hyper focused on collegiate athletes. Mm-hmm. That basically says like you know you played college a sport in college hyper uh, hyper competitive, and now you're out. Now what do you do? So here's the app for you know, hyper competitive sports. I, I definitely market us as like the average Joe's platform. You can find, you know, the most competitive person on here as well too, but you can also find super beginners as well too. So we're just trying to remove barriers for friendship using physical activity as that medium to bring people together. So I think through our marketing, we've had an edge in terms of some of the companies that want to work with us right. that, that help us push. So that's, that's helping us build a moat to, to create some of that. To go back and connect this part of the conversation to another part of the conversation, sport is a community builder. This yep. app assists in that. How much of that is based on your journey in life? How much of that is living in Bangkok? How much of that is you know being in Nepal? How much of that is you know being a, a you know a stranger in a strange land, so to speak? It's it's been everything. I I really look at Play City as an extension of myself. Um, I was a super insecure kid growing up. Um, I, and until I found hockey, like I started playing street hockey and I didn't, I, I, I always played in my backyard and I thought it was decent, but I never had the confidence to go out there and play with anybody else. So I, they threw me in net because I was like <laughs> quiet and I didn't want to play. And that was ne- next thing you know, I'm a goalie and I'm actually doing okay. So as, when I started playing in net, I started joining teams after that. It built my confidence. It gave me a network. It gave me yeah. this, this feeling of like, I can conquer something so I can do something else. So I knew that a, I was getting so much out of something. Um, and I had, I had terrible equipment and I had all these different things, but it was so, so much fun. So when I, when I knew that, um, back then I didn't know that this was going to be the impetus of my like organization going forward. But even when I worked at the bank, for example, so when I, when I went to uh, the UFC for my undergrad, I worked at Scotia bank for four years and I was in charge of sports nights that I just came up with out there. So we, we got random misfits from the entire call center and started doing like Tuesday, Thursday soccer or like hockey nights or whatever. And all of a sudden people that are in cubicles and different places that don't know each other are connecting through play. And now we're high five everyone at work and we're throwing out football and we're going for breaks together and people are building relationships. And so there's all these things that happened. And then also just me playing sports my entire life after that. A, I love being around people. B, I love being competitive. C, I love trying new things. Um, So a, a lot of that came to uh, head with, with play city. And some of the, some of the, uh, testimonials that we get from people, um, have been similar to that. Like I didn't know anyone in the city and this platform has given me friendship and actually changed my entire perspective. Or now that I have a couple of friends that go, that go camping. Finally, I've actually checked out the mountains and, uh, I'm really grateful for that. So all the, all the feel good stuff that I've had in my life with sports has, has been translated into this company to be like the soul of it to, to bring it to everybody else. So what happens today when we're paused? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're paused in terms of, you know, outdoor play and like group play, but we're not paused in connection, right? Okay. So we're so we've created a whole new channel on the platform called Quarantine. And <laughs> under Quarantine, it's got things like basically where your fitness concierge, right? So I'm connecting you with the people, but we're connecting you to resources and mm-hmm. we're connecting you to events. So I'll give you an example of what we've done. So this week we had a quarantine check-in. So every Wednesday at one o'clock for anyone in our community. So Sandra from Sport Calgary, Katrina is actually on our calls as well too. You can log in and we, we meet on Google Hangouts as a group and we chat about what you're grateful for, what you've been going through for the week, anything that's happening right now, and then maybe end it off with some kind of physical activity or a stretch. Um, we do have these push-up competitions that we're taking advantage of as well too, or just like different things at home. So I'm part of a group that does 50 push-ups, 50 squats, and 50 sit-ups every day. And it says, yeah, I did it as an accountability. We've created a quarantine checklist for your overall mental well-being. So make sure you drink water. Have you connected with someone today? Have you done something of service for somebody else? Like how do you maintain your sense of well-being? So we're creating these resources for people as well. Uh, and then also we just launched something for next week as well too. And it's like a virtual games night. So, you know, someone's going to lead like a trivia night and maybe you can lead one on, on sports trivia or something like that'd be amazing. Oof. <laughs> All right. Aim high, but yeah, no, no, I, I hear you. 
So we're, we're trying to get creative and how do we add value, right? Like again, the, the soul of what we're trying to do is connection. Yeah. Um, so how do we connect, right? In a, in a, in a world that you really can't connect on in face to face. Hafiz, one of the best parts of this conversation for me is that you've been debunking a lot of myths and it's easy for parents. It's, and I know, well, maybe I don't know. First of all, let me ask predominantly your users are adults, correct? Yeah. So we are an adult only app. Okay. Um, so okay. you have to be 18 plus to use the platform. Not okay. to say that if you're an adult with kids, you can't find another adult with kids. We've we've like yeah. we've skirted around the uh, the channel of you know moms and tots or something or mm-hmm. something like that. But just due to liability issues and being a startup, uh, I don't want to go down that route. No, 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 no. And and I get that. But and I guess what I was getting to was this idea that you know technology has driven us away from physical connections we talked about that right at the beginning of the conversation you go and you connect with people at a coffee shop sport is that great equalizer that we i think we got to quit demonizing technology and we got to quit demonizing screens and stuff and saying you know they're the problem when actually they are the solution i do want to ask you a little bit now again understanding the app is for adults but Mm -hmm. play's a problem for kids kids don't play like you and i used to play before is there a, a possibility of a technological solution that can assist with that and get kids back out? And, you know, I, I don't know about your neighborhood, but it, it bums me out sometimes. Not, I'm not talking about the quarantine. I'm talking about just regular going by a field and just don't see the kids with a ball mitt or a soccer ball yep. or like we used to have. Right. Yeah. No, I, I hear you, man. It's it, it is super sad. Uh, growing up, I, I would drive. I couldn't drive home without seeing like mm-hmm. street hockey games going on or being, people playing basketball or yeah. something biking around. Uh, so I, I'm definitely afraid for the next generation of, of children that have no idea what life is like without screens, right? Yeah. Uh, I think we're losing the art of conversation. We're losing the art of eye contact. We're losing the art of actually connecting with someone um, that way. But to your point about using technology for kids, I, I think just keep it simple, like Skype or FaceTime. Yep. It doesn't have to be some hardcore game that you get right into. It's like, you know what? You want to see a, a friend, tell their parents to set up a FaceTime thing and then do a do an exercise together, right? Or, yeah. you know, a paint night. I've seen a bunch of kids painting rocks or just doing things that we used to as kids, you know, like maybe you're building a fort or something, like show off your biggest fort that you've created in your house with cushions or something and then use technology just to be that uh, spark for someone else's imagination for what they could do as well too versus sitting there on screen and watching, you know, a show for nine hours. Um, as a kid, that's just, it's not, it's not conducive to neuroplasticity. It's not conducive to anything really. Like you're just depressing that child and not giving them like the outlet that they need. Like we know what's crazy is that we know what we need for our pets, right? Like our, our pets, but they don't get walks or if they don't see other dogs or play, they go insane. They take holes. They yeah, bite, yeah. chew all the shit in your house. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen to a child, right? Like get them out. And if, even if it's walking around your backyard, do some gardening, do something to keep them active. Are you um, are you thinking about the next big thing yet? You know what? Uh, that's a good, you know what I'm not. Okay. I'm actually every, everything that I've always tried to do is and not to be nostalgic all the time, but I I really miss how life was growing up as a kid without all the technology. So I'm trying to use technology to kind of bring that back to yeah. where we are today, right? Yeah. Um, but I look at the next big thing as. You know, I think people are going to be fiending connection after this. I think people are going to be fiending. Like, I like to hug people. You know, I'm a hugger as well, too. I never was a hugger. But when I started to realize the value of a proper hug and, like, that squeeze of just, like, yes, I I connect with you, you know? Um, Yeah, so so I think getting people ready for the next wave of connection because it's going to be a – it's going to be – it's a drought right now of connection. So if people can actually be in a place with somebody else or a group and actually feel confident and have have facilitated experience – I think that's going to be the next big thing for us. What's the best part of what you do? Man, that's a good question as well, too. But I have to, I have to go back down to like my core why of what I do. Anything I love to connect people. I, I love to I love to meet new people. I love to hear their story. Like I played foosball with someone that I met on the app, and then he told me his story about growing up in Syria and like the bombs that are going off and mm-hmm. what they used to eat for food and all this other stuff. And I'm like. I would have never met this person. I would have never got these conversations face to face if I never, if we didn't connect through foosball, right? Like I've met so many people just through play, and um, yeah, the, I think connection. It's definitely connecting I, with people. It, it's amazing to hear you say that because the first thing I think about is I, I think about how cloistered 
youth sport has become that we got to play in our neighborhood we got to play with the same yeah. kids we got to we got to be with the same families we got to do the same things and you miss out on introductions you miss out on yeah. other people's experiences there's nothing wrong with having friends i'm not saying that but getting out and meeting people is is the part that and that's been a theme throughout this whole conversation and how it's brought you success in life you know as you've defined it i, I think it's amazing yeah, thanks, man. Like, I, I literally look back to every single person I met in the last four years, and it's been through some sort of play, right? Yeah. Um, man, I, I listen to you, like, doing the, the Flames play-by-play. I can't believe we're having this conversation right now. You're like, <laughs> it's a big deal for me, you know? But it's not a big deal, you. trust me. It's not. It, the big deal's mine. No, I appreciate that. But but that's but that's the way it should be. Sports should be that, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the great equalizer. Like, we should just be playing for fun and, and, and meeting people, but... Like I always tell people, when you when you play tennis with someone, the real value of Play City is what happens when you're taking that water break or saying like, "So what are you doing, Calgary? Or yeah. where are you from?" Like playing is great, you know. what I mean, that's that's great for your body and mind, all that. But it's the connection, which is the heart of what we're doing, and that's really it's been the funniest part about it because I see people online that take photos of people that they've met through Play City, and I'm I'm proud that you know we've been a, a part of their story and brought them together. See, this is what I want parents to hear. This is what I want to, because I, you know, I, I'm very concerned that we're at a place in time where for the first time ever, we're going to have to recruit parents to allow their kids to play sport. And we never had to do that before, but I think we're to that point now. Yeah. And, and maybe we needed to get here, but to remind ourselves of exactly what you're talking about. I don't talk to a single world champion, Stanley Cup champion, CFL champion that ever says the most important thing in my life was when that bell went off and I won. It's always the journey. Every conversation is about an Olympic champion. It's always about the journey. And I think we undersell that. And in this entire conversation, this mm-hmm. has been about the journey. That's all this is. It's about Absolutely. the journey. It's, yeah, you nailed it. It's, it's about the journey. And I have no idea where it's going to be, you know, where, where it's going. I'm just trying to enjoy uh, the path that, that, that's on right now, right? And, and that's why I started doing things like my gratitude journal. You know, I'm, I'm going to write my gratitude after this call. I'm, I'm really grateful for the people I've met, the opportunities to chat having these connections. This is a real connection to me, you know? Yeah. Um, I love it. It, it, it. It's totally about the journey. And I think that people always look for the outcome when, and you, and you, and you really miss out on the opportunity just to really take in what's actually happening today. And, and that we, we can remove a lot of stress when we just actually focus on what's happening right now in front of us versus thinking about like the end game, right? Even in sports, they always say as a goalie, I would be in my mind before every single game. I had to have my routine. I thought, did, I, did I find a penny today? Oh, I'm going to lose. <laughs> I, got this, I had these stupid superstitions, right? <laughs> you know, just like whistle the whistle. Just stop the thing in front of you right now. That's it, right? It's all that matters. It's all yeah. that matters. Uh, my last one for you is the same question I ask all of my guests, and I put no parameters on it. It's up to you to answer it. Give me your hidden Calgary gem. <sighs> my hidden Calgary gem. Yeah, I'll buy you a little time. I'll just let you know that the reason we ask this question is when it's all over and we get back to normal, we want to give some people some things to to look forward to or to think about or to put on a on a list. So give me something that is your hidden Calgary gem. I really love, um, like Lindsay Park. Hmm. I, th- I think many people don't just make the trek to go out there it's you know right behind repsol right around that area you have access to the beach there's a really amazing path there's some really great tennis courts that's a really awesome spot to picnic or just chill out um i used to ride my bike there a lot but there's bunnies everywhere it's a, it's a really great spot it's just a cool spot so that's that's my hidden gem i love it um the app is play city it's available where all fine apps are available right and we want to get everybody on it uh, thank you. This has been so much fun for me. I really appreciate you doing this. I have loved this conversation. Thanks, Rob. I, I feel the exact same way, man. Like this is this is a real pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks to Hafiz for spending some time with us. Um, boy, um, how cool is that conversation? Like, I really appreciate guys that open up and bear their souls, and he did that. Did he not? Like, pretty cool. Um, and I and I love it. You should check it out. The Play City app. Um, there's a bit of it and a piece of it in there for all of us. Um, I'm excited to see what's next. I, I, I you know, don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I'm pretty sure you're going to hear from Hafiz again. Uh, well, you still are, quite honestly. Uh, but a Made in Calgary solution, pretty cool. 
pretty, pretty cool. Uh, if you haven't uh, checked out some of our previous podcasts, I encourage you to do so. Uh, if you go back a couple of weeks, Jesse Lumsden uh, was on there, uh, Jess O'Connell as well, so some Olympic athletes. Um, we have spent time with Perry Berezan and Colin Patterson, which I thought was a fun and entertaining conversation. Um, Tom Higgins has stopped by. We have been all over the sporting world. We'll continue to do so in Calgary because that is our mandate. Um, so there you go. Check it out. If you have not subscribed, do so at Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I'm Rob Kerr. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the original Six Feet Conversation podcast here at sportcalgary.ca.